Beyond, and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 603, I hope I have that number correct, our weekly PlayStation show here. Uh, you may be wondering why I'm not sure of the number, because it's been a day here in the IGN offices, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but this week I am joined by Thomas... I said Thomas... Yeah, so it's, bad it's, already. it's already off to a rough start, but we're going to keep it. Thomas... Oh, man, I'm running out of our names. Um, Ronald? Rasputin? Ras- no, I've guessed Rasputin because of Raz from Second <laughs> you got to keep a list. Uh, no, R- Ricardo. Not, neither. Marks. All right, well, we're joined by Tom, as well as <laughs> Janet Garcia making her return to Beyond. Hey, good to be back. Thank you so much for being here, Janet. Tom, also good to have you here. You know. uh, if you're wondering <laughs> where Brian, Max, and Lucy are, they're off in Germany with the rest of our wonderful staff who are over there as well, covering... Everything happening out of Gamescom, it is a huge show, and we have a huge presence at that show. We have, if you're listening to this or watching this on the week that this episode will be on airs, we have a huge live stream going on on IGN.com and YouTube.com slash IGN and like a million other platforms. Uh, watch it. We have, I think, close to 30 hours, about 20 hours of live streams this week. Oh, yeah. Half of it in German, half of it in English. So watch the German if you don't understand German and just look at the game. Well, now there's no time to learn like the present. So there you exactly. go. Exactly. Learn by watching IGN.com. It teaches you German. Uh, but in addition to that, there's actually been so much Sony stuff partially related to Gamescom, partially not related to Gamescom. Uh, and thank God the news broke before we record the show, <laughs> in addition to all the other crazy entertainment news that broke this week. So we're going to jump right in for a very extended news crunch. Who doesn't love the News Crunch intro? Um, First thing on the docket for News Crunch is, of course, I got some new trophies, you guys, this week. Oh. No, actually, we're talking about, of course, Insomniac Games is now officially a Sony first-party studio. I was Uh, interested in the trophies. I'll tell you you about the trophies later. Uh, The big news, of course, broke Monday, August 19th. Sony Interactive Entertainment officially announced it has acquired Insomniac Games, the developers behind Marvel's Spider-Man and Ratchet & Clank, as a proper first-party PlayStation studio. Uh, Sony Insomniac are, quote, in definitive agreements to acquire Insomniac, so it's basically a done deal. They just haven't dotted the I's and crossed the T's. Did I say that correct? Probably. Yes. Okay, good enough. Um, of course, those two companies have held a long relationship, and before we get into the nuts and bolts of what this means, uh, I did want to mention this makes Insomniac the 14th studio in Sony's current lineup of Worldwide Studios uh, Development Studios. I said studios a lot there. Um, Sean Layden, the chairman of uh, Sony's Worldwide Studios, said, quote, Insomniac Games is one of the most highly acclaimed development studios in the industry, and their legacy of best-in-class storytelling and gameplay is unparalleled. We have enjoyed a strong collaborative partnership with the studio for many years and are thrilled to officially welcome them to the Worldwide Studios family. The addition of Insomniac Games to S-I-E-W-W-S, he, he, I guess, out loud said the acronym, (laughs) reiterates our commitment to developing world-class gaming experiences experiences that can only be found on the PlayStation platform. Uh, Ted Price, Insomniac Games founder and CEO, also said, quote, joining the Worldwide Studios family gives Insomniac even greater opportunities to achieve our studio vision of making positive and lasting impressions on people's lives. We've enjoyed a special relationship with PlayStation practically since our inception. Our partnership amplifies our potential, and Marvel's Spider-Man was a testament to this. We're excited to take the next step in our growth alongside our longtime Worldwide Studios partners. Most of all, we look forward to delivering fresh, new experiences Experiences for our fans. Um, interestingly, alongside of this, Insomniac and Sony also noted Spider-Man on PS4 has sold over 13.2 million copies that sold through worldwide as of July 28th, 2019. Um, so many. It's a lot of So copies. many backpacks. It is. It's a lot of backpacks. A lot of backpacks. It, how many backpacks are in the game, Janet? A lot. Cool. Too many yeah. to count, except the game counts them for you. So and also that's our convenient. wiki guide does. Yes. Um, Even so, though the game did it for you, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, this is huge Still news. Still things to be found. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can go to our wiki to find them. Yeah. Um, huge news for Sony, for Insomniac Games. Uh, this obviously, it feels like a match made in heaven because they've basically been partners for a long time. But I do mm-hmm. want to talk about the history of this because there is a sort of like funny gap in the Sony yeah. Insomniac partnership. Uh, I did want to jump on that first because Tom, before we were recording, you had mentioned uh, on Insomniac side of this, they mentioned they had a statement on their website and they also showed you know many of the franchises that they've made with Sony, but also one or two that they haven't in there, and then also one or two that they just didn't show off at all. Yeah, it um. was it was funny. <laughs> I mean, when this news broke, I feel like no one was surprised. Yeah. Like, Finally put a ring on it. Yeah, right? It was kind of a collective bout time 
uh, is sort of the reaction. Uh, and I don't think anybody's mad about it either. Spider-Man mm-hmm. was great, obviously. Like you were saying, they had this graphic on their site, and I can't remember exactly which games were on it, but it was like Spyro. I'll bring it up. Uh, thank you. It was like Spyro, Ratchet & Clank, um, Resistance. Oh, I do remember. Uh, and then it went uh, Sunset Overdrive. And what's the what's the VR game that they do that I always forget the name? The Unspoken. The un- oh. Unspoken. And then it went back to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you guys got a little bit of a... That little, little gap. You know, broke up there. for like a summer and then got back together. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> well, and what's We're interesting... We're not judging. No judges. <laughs> of course, they also, you know, maybe left off uh, Fuse, the game they made with EA. Way back when. I think that was 360. Probably intentional. <laughs> probably a little bit. Um, not a black Maybe they had a template already made, and they're like, I don't want to go back into Photoshop and have to make these extra Add one slots. more. Also, just like, I, th- that game went through such a weird uh, cycle, I remember, because they showed mm-hmm. it at first with this cartoony sort of art style in the cinematics, and then it got made to sort of a more standard EA third-person action war game. Yeah. But anyway, moving on from that... Um, this is obviously a huge deal. It does make so much sense because these two companies have been working together. I mean, for me, like Spyro was one of my favorite PS1 franchises. Mm-hmm. Ratchet and Clank was one of my favorite PS2 and PS3 franchises and PS4, even though there's only been one. Uh, I liked what I've played of Resistance. I haven't played the full trilogy, so I can't say there. And of course, Spider-Man is Spider-Man for the PS4. Um, so this isn't a surprise. I do want to ask you both, what do you think this means for Spider-Man going forward for PS4? Is this just... Uh, are they a Spider-Man factory now? Uh, I hope not. Well, so Dan, <laughs> I think it was Dan Stapleton tweeted out a very interesting thing, or at least had an interesting perspective mm-hmm. on this, where he was basically like, functionally for players, this probably means nothing, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this sale probably means very little because everyone had been speculating and assuming that they were going to work on Spider-Man Two next anyway, right? Like that. That's. It, whether there's any truth to that beyond just talk, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're if we were assuming before this purchase that they were working on Spider-Man Two for PS4 or PS5 or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, then post-purchase, they're just still doing that, right? Like, I think I think that all this does is kind of more confirm that Sony probably is really interested in having that happen. It's just a little bit more of an indicator, not a direct. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. It just kind of shows that ongoing support um, from the yeah. business side of things. It's probably like insomnia. Obviously, they like wouldn't have signed that if they didn't think it was a good deal. So mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, I don't know how much that affects the creative process, but I feel like when the business stuff's taken care of and going right, um, that can only mean for good things. I'm really looking forward to the next Spider-Man game. I think just Spider-Man in general has it's it's been great seeing like all the iterations of Spider-Man both in video games and also just outside of video games become so diverse and interesting and unique um, that, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what they do next. And I think the library of games that Insomniac has is also just so diverse and there's like so many different genres and styles that I think what they really bring to Sony as an asset is that diversity. You can get those, you can get two different Insomniac games and they can feel like they're from two different developers in style, not definitely not in quality, but in terms of style, um, they really bring that to the table, which I think is really good for Sony because they have amazing exclusives, but they are few and far between. And hey, games are hard to make. They take mm-hmm. time to make. But I think having a studio that can kind of shift between genres and styles so much is really going to be an asset in terms of diversifying Sony's library and portfolio. Yeah, it, it, it to me definitely means, uh, as Tom was saying, like, I think Spider-Man 2 was always a done deal mm-hmm. as yeah. long as the money worked out. And now the money has just worked out to guarantee, <laughs> one, both sides are happy with it. But two, Insomniac doesn't have to worry. Like, they don't have to say, hey, we have to, you know, give up maybe other opportunities that mm-hmm. we want because we can only focus on Spider-Man now. If anything, to me, this means, like you were saying, they can take risks and try other things yeah. and yeah. they know they'll have a home for them. Well, that's what, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And this isn't a direct correlation because obviously Insomniac, as we said, has a history with Sony, but it's all interesting to also see stuff like uh, a studio like Double Fine get mm-hmm. bought by Microsoft recently. Um, they don't have a history, a long history at least with Microsoft, but I talked to Tim Schafer back at E3 about that, the head of Double Fine, the founder, and he was basically like, it's security, right? Yeah. It's a paycheck. It's like, yeah. the way he put it to me was something along the lines of like, I don't have to worry about making sure that mm-hmm. like my employees have healthcare next month, right? Like he he knows that that stability is there. And Insomniac has 
almost always, not always always, but almost always been a studio that does these sort of exclusive deals where they work very closely with a platform, whether it's uh, Sony or Microsoft with uh, Sunset, Sunset Overdrive, Overdrive, thank you, or yeah. Oculus Studios with some of their VR stuff. Or even GameStop's publishing arm, A Song of the Deep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they did okay, that. Then. Yeah, yeah those you. GameStop yeah. exclusives. Yeah. yeah. They were yeah. So only a few, always, but really. This has always been kind of a the, the vibe they work under, but now it might just be like, they don't have to go hunting for that next paycheck. Yeah, yeah. It's, have it. it is security for them. And like having met and spoken to Ted Price a couple times at like Dice's and seen him speak, like his employee stability is very important to him. And it seems like Insomniac structurally overall, like that is something they mm -hmm. really push forward. I think they're often on like best places to work lists mm. because yeah. of how much they put that ethos forward. So this really does feel like just making sure the company can stay stable, even yeah. though they like, of course they're working on Spider-Man, but now they don't have to worry if Spider-Man 2 takes a little while. Yeah, and I think with the last Spider-Man game being so successful, that really adds to the trust that I'm, you know, I assume Sony has towards Insomniac. Because really the big question, I feel like when it comes to making these deals, besides like the money aspect, like is it a good business choice? It's also like, does this security come at a sacrifice creatively? And I think just given the history, there's like a really good chance that they're going to just kind of have free reign to just do what they want to do. Like Sony already likes what Insomniac's doing, so it's just going to be, more of that, but with that security. But, but also just make sure you're still making Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, probably. A little bit. But <laughs> I, I assume, like, if they want to go back to the Ratchet and Clank, well. Well, now can. there can be a red Spider-Man PS5 when the PS5 yes. comes out. Yeah. Um, and they also, interestingly, of course, a lot of people have been asking, what does this mean for Sunset Overdrive, which was a Microsoft exclusive, but we're, like, kind of unclear legally who owns the rights going forward mm -hmm. to that. Uh, interestingly, Sean Layden gave an interview with The Hollywood Reporter and said, uh, as far as that IP itself, as a quote, we really haven't turned over the files on that one to see what that actually means, to be honest. So... <laughs> what marketing speak? Right. Well, one, it seems like... Even if they have the rights to one. it, it's <laughs> not like in their purview to care right yeah. now. Like I think their priorities would be Spider-Man, maybe more Ratchet, but even above Ratchet, I did want to ask what you both think because Tommy brought this point off, uh, up to me offline as well. Uh, what this means for PSVR because yeah. Insomniac has, you know, there are clearly a few teams within Insomniac, and there is a dedicated VR support there within that company. An interest in making new VR experiences. Uh, Stormland, I believe, is the most recent one they've been working on, uh, as well as Edge of Nowhere, The Unspoken, as we mentioned, a few others. So that's yeah, they make good VR games. Yeah, like they haven't really made anything that has blown like the lid off of my experience yeah. with VR, but they... A few VR games have, I mean... Yeah, exactly. I'm like, assuming. Nobody's really made that... I mean, there's a few there, and I won't I won't throw shade at VR, because I like VR. Yeah. Um, but, like, the... They they have a, de a dedicated and good and experienced VR team that is kind of easy to forget about mm -hmm. when you're thinking about things like Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank, when you're like, oh, yeah, these guys could make some, like, pretty mm -hmm. good PSVR games, and if there is, like whatever a PSVR 2.0 or whatever we've been speculating on for a long time, it does come around. Like, this is a really good studio to have in your pocket for some, like, launch titles for that or a launch game for that. Well, I have to assume, especially Sony's been pretty clear that they're going to keep supporting PSVR going into the PS5. Yeah, You know, they haven't talked about the 2.0 of PSVR, mm -hmm. but the original PSVR will be compatible with it. Right. They obviously still have studios that are like fully dedicated to PSVR development like London Studio with Blood and Truth and everything. So I assume that's something they have interest in going forward. Um, and just having Insomniac be also able to crank out a few first-party exclusives is a really good way to go forward. And it's also would be really interesting to see Insomniac creating... Uh, first-party PSVR games rather than first-party Oculus games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think when something like Edge of Nowhere came out for Oculus Rift, it very much felt like a game that was like, we need to get this out in launch window of VR because mm -hmm. that was the launch of VR as a concept and they needed to just like have it ready on that mark. Whereas them having the freedom and the comfort to just make something for PSVR as a Sony first party is a very different development environment yeah. from my perspective. I think yeah. especially because PSVR, like in relation to the other VR systems or peripherals, whatever phrase you want to give it, um, functions so differently. Mm -hmm. Like it, they can still run very similar, if not the same games, but just like with the way the motion controls work and some of the technical limitations, I think it is just nice to be able to just solely focus on PSVR rather than having to like account for all these other ones, um, especially because like a lot of times 
when a studio is developing for like multiple VR platforms, PSVR might be one of the ones that more likely falls to the wayside because it just is, it's so much more specialized than the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think it's still definitely good. I'm a big fan of, of PSVR. Um, I miss my VR headset, which I left in Chicago. Mm -hmm. But yeah, some good experiences on there. <laughs> I think you've told the story before on the show of mm -hmm. your uh, purchasing. Oh, yeah, yeah. PSVR. That was my, uh, my like, janky memory card. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember <laughs> that. Um, I reached out to the Facebook Podcast pod, pod Beyond group, uh, the Facebook Podcast Beyond group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond for some reactions to this news, because obviously this is the first new Sony first party studio in a long time. Um, a lot of people felt along the same lines, asking questions about what might this mean for their PSVR uh, inclusion. Casey asked us, though, with this acquisition by Sony, would you rather see a continuation of current IP or brand new IP from them? Um, and so obviously we assume, you know, there will be another Spider-Man mm -hmm. from them whether they do more Ratchet and Clank is up for debate, but do you think we'll see new IPs out of them in any big way? I feel oh, like yeah. that would come yeah. from the PSVR route. I want some new. I want some new. I don't think, I don't think you would go to the studio that made Spyro and made Ratchet and Clank and made Sunset Overdrive and say, you're only making Spider-Man games mm -hmm. now, right? Like I think that Sony definitely didn't, they know that that well is not going to, the Spider-Man well is not going to be infinitely deep and that, Insomniac at the end of the day is gonna it probably will make another great Spider-Man game, but also can just make great games and mm -hmm. can make great new games. So I think it would not be surprising to me if we don't see new IP soon, but it would also not be like it would be unthinkable to me that they're just only ever gonna make reboots and remakes and licensed games again. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely want some new. Like I'm I'm good with Ratchet and Clank. Like I personally I've had my fun, and I am now done. Only because Jen, for me, it's been fun having you on the show. I know. I think I feel like I drag Ratchet and Clank every time I'm on this this show, which is funny. But they're so innocent. It's really, it's like really great. But I feel like they've kind like that franchise has kind of maxed out its potential. Like I think it can have improvements in small ways, and every Ratchet and Clank game I play has been great. But it's kind of a little bit repetitive, even when they do change up some things. And I feel like it's at this point, almost overstate its welcome. Like, I think if we just keep going and bringing them out, they'd always be a great game, but it's like, okay, but, and? Like, it's not, I want something that's a little different, um, more interesting. Just pivot somewhere. Just put, make, you can be similar mechanics, just just change that that whole franchise, I feel like. But they I'm need good. something family-friendly from Insomniac. I think it could. And, um, what, and what, what else would they make that's family-friendly or mass appeal? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you can Besides still come out with a, a less raunchy Sunset Overdrive. Because Sunset Overdrive definitely is not family-friendly. Um, but, you know, I think they've shown that they can do different things. Yeah. I wouldn't mind them still doing something like... Um, I know mascot platformers are kind of like... Have fallen out of vogue. You know, over the years, but um, I'm still, I'm still. I think there's a place thing. for them to try for a sure. new franchise if it's yeah. not more Ratchet and Clank, like to do a new third-person platformer-esque thing, but a different universe. Yeah. Totally give that a try. Yeah, I am generally. I I do like Ratchet and Clank. I had uh, Size Matters on the PSP, the Clank oh, game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, Jesse from the Facebook group also also said, hopefully the Insomniac deal means we can stop trying to force Knack and get a good push for the next Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> Which, yes, I would rather see more Ratchet and Clank than Knack, but you'll have to talk to Mark Cerny about that, not Insomniac. Uh, <laughs> before we move on from the Insomniac of it all, I did want to ask, obviously, right before we started recording this episode, uh, we actually are recording a little bit later because of the massive news that uh, Spider-Man's not in the MCU anymore <gasps> is happening. Um reportedly we'll see if it changes by the time this episode goes up because that's how recording podcast works but um i did want to ask you both do you think that deal on the sony pictures side at all affects what will happen with spider-man in the games side of things nah because nah, it's already it was already pivoted from that whole universe and concept it's like a different yeah. thing yeah um it's the same character and and some of the lore is definitely like it's pulling from like a shared lore but the like where you're dropping that pin it and what things are you pulling from Spider-Man lore is always going to vary. And that's even true in the, in films of, of, of Spider-Man. So yeah, it doesn't have any impact. Well, also, also uh, it's the reason you can have Yuri Lowenthal playing Spider-Man mm -hmm. in Spider-Man PS4 and also Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is a Switch exclusive is because the, the Marvel movie or Marvel movie rights are such a different beast than Marvel game rights. Yeah. And it, this will likely have no impact whatsoever mm -hmm. on yeah. the future of Spider-Man as a game. 
Um, the only thing I think it would have an impact on is just the marketing. Yeah. <laughs> because Sony Pictures can put Spider-Man in the next, like the Spider-Man 2 mm -hmm. in Spider-Man 3, the movie. <laughs> like they can integrate things more, but I don't think really beyond that it changes it yeah I, I guess you get maybe some questions about tie-in costumes right yeah <laughs> that sort of thing mm -hmm. maybe there's something like that but in terms of like actual production nah, I, I think the games world is going to be well well insulated from all of this yeah uh it'll be curious to see the future of both spider-man and insomniac but it's very exciting to have them in here um there have been talks and rumors of sony acquisitions uh as we go into the ps5 uh life cycle uh, Sony executives have talked about wanting to maybe acquire some studios. If you could pick another studio for Sony to acquire, who would you want them to pick? I mean, can I just say the easy answer? Sure. Kojima? <laughs> oh, yeah. That I is mean, the easy I know, answer. I know he hasn't made a game yet. Because you're looking at the Death Stranding stuff? Is that <laughs> well, why? That's, that is part I pulled it up on the computer. Answer. But yeah, like that's... I know he hasn't made a game yet, and maybe Death Stranding will be a hot mess, and they won't want to buy him, but like, it seems like a really easy fit. Um, and we'll have to see what Death Stranding is like, and we'll have to see what his plans are like, because maybe Kojima doesn't want to answer to a big corporation again, right? Because he got yeah. screwed over by Konami, and yeah. doesn't just, just wants to stay away from that. But they've always had a good relationship, it seems like, so who knows? Yeah, I don't have anything that comes to mind in terms of it being specifically advantageous to Sony like and not other companies, but um, you guys know I love Annapurna games mm. so and i feel like it does match the creative vision of sony because sony is really big on these like you know even in that statement about um, i think actually that might have been insomniac games but talking about that idea of creating these uh memorable stories that you carry with you and i think annapurna games often does have that even in their games that are highly mechanic focused like uh, donut county even that had an interesting story that i still think about um just just every day i'm just thinking about it but um yeah and they have like those like weird kind of like visual novel like interactive thrillers and i feel like sony is really big with that um there's like a, a meme that i just find so funny and so true uh relate to sony where it's like playing a, a sony game and it's someone holding a controller and then one second later they're holding a thing of popcorn and i'm like that's totally what it is because they have these crazy like <laughs> cinematic experiences uh that do a really good job at marrying narrative and gameplay so yeah so that would be my pick but i would pick that for any company because i just love that studio they, they make a lot of great stuff <laughs> yeah they, stuff. they're a very smart publisher uh i would i don't have one off the top of my head but i think like in terms of their catalog it would make sense too and i think they've spoken to this they don't necessarily do multiplayer uh not even that well but as a focus and i think like as the mm -hmm. industry continues to evolve and be more focused on that shared experience having a studio that really has a great emphasis on multiplayer wouldn't hurt uh but in terms of a company that fits with their ethos uh the rumors have been out there but man remedy would be a cool pickup mm. for them uh especially now that like after whatever they do with control who knows where they go next yeah it'd be cool to see them and they certainly fit in line and also have i think even more of a focus on mechanics sometimes than some of the first party sony studios do that are more narrative mm. focused so you know there's a lot yeah. of like give and take and learnings that's that a good that's there. a good pick and i feel like control just based on the things we've seen so far does really fit that bill. Uh, and it is interesting because that game's, you know, definitely not an exclusive to anyone. You know, it's on yeah. PS4, Xbox, uh, PC via Epic Game Store. Um, but it's funny because they do have, like, so many more perks if you buy it, like, digitally on the PS4. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on the guide for that game, so I did some scrubbing of our content, looked at the website and stuff, and I made, like, a little pre-order page and all that and it was like the stuff you get if you do digital deluxe edition ps4 it's like everything like dlc everything and then then like pc it's like there is no deluxe edition or something weird <laughs> like that like uh it is funny when there's like those not it's obviously still not exclusive but those like oh kind of like yeah, yeah like I, I slightly favored you yeah. a little bit <laughs> yeah. like yeah, so I think that totally would fit the bill. Well, speaking of deluxe editions, uh, it was available earlier today. I don't know if it still will be when this goes up, but mm -hmm. the $199 edition of Death Stranding was available uh, yet yeah. again. This is the one that includes the baby. The, baby. the bridge the BB. baby. Mm -hmm. The BB or BB. the bridge baby. Uh, and I bring that up because during the Gamescom opening night live press conference, it quickly turned into the Kojima fan cast. As <laughs> noted... Kojima fan Jeff Keighley brought Kojima on stage. Uh, there, of course, has been a bromance between the two of them, or at least a lot of love from Someone Jeff Someone has feelings somewhere. <laughs> um, but the two of them have obviously uh, been good friends for a long time, and Keighley brought Kojima out on stage to show two new trailers 
for Death Stranding. The first bit of uncut gameplay, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, as well as confirmed that Jeff Keighley makes a cameo in the game. He also opened it, though, with like this sizzle reel of Kojima and also the Game Awards, which he like runs. Um, so that was an interesting start because it was like this weird, and then it was like this weird like recap of like the history of the marketing of Death Stranding, but also like very Game Awards Keely centric. Which obviously Death Stranding has made huge appearances at the Game Awards, so that part makes sense. That was a little weird. And then also um, before we dive into it, I do want to point out that early in that presentation, Jeff Keely said, "Strand on your feet." And it was the worst moment in video game history since Hillary, no. Clint since Hillary Clinton said Pokemon Go to the polls. Okay. So I just need to... <laughs> and, just, you're, and you're knocking Keeley for prepping a sizzle reel. <laughs> you had a speech prepared. I had to write it down because I was, um, you know, I, now we're just kind of, kind of getting on a tangent, but I actually didn't catch this yesterday because I was working on um, some wiki stuff. So I'm like, I can't really watch a press conference right now. I have to just do my work stuff. But I did catch the tail end. And then when I got to Beyond Beyond, I was like, okay, let me watch this on my walk to work. So it's fresh in my mind <laughs> and burned deeply into my memory. Um, yes, he said, strand on your feet. And, and then I think people did stand up, which um, yeah, I... But yeah. did they strand? Um, that is up for debate. It remains to be seen. Gotcha. Well, What's going on with this game? Anyway, at <laughs> the Gamescom opening night live press conference, we saw a lot more of Death Stranding, and I'm going through our uh, story about it, written by the wonderful Matt Kim. Uh, he wrote one of the stories, and then Joe Scrubbles wrote another. Uh, we're going to get to Matt's story in a little bit, but Joe broke down all of the footage, which included the new urination mechanic uh, that you can perform with Norman no. Reedus's character, Sam. Yes. No. Um, the clip of gameplay that was shown, I'm reading from Joe's story, uh, includes Sam waking up, taking a pee, which makes a giant mushroom appear, climbing to a station where a holographic figure played by Jeff Keighley, voiced by Matt Mercer, asks him to complete tasks. He falls down a cliff and rocks his bridge baby to sleep using motion controls. The day in the life. <laughs> which is just an amazing description and is true to everything that happened. As for the wider gameplay, Joe writes, Kojima was coy, but said Sam's goal is to connect the fractured cities from east to west on, of the game's world, which he appears to do by carrying out the deliveries we've seen in previous footage, Lone preppers can be found in the open world, Keeley's character being one who will reward you for your help. Um, Kojima made clear that Norman Reedus will move to protect his gentleman's agreements if you rotate the camera during the urination sequence. Uh, you cannot see Norman Reedus's uh, nether regions in the game. <laughs> Tom shaking his head silently, staring in disbelief. Uh, he also teased I that just, if... I just, um, I, uh, I just love that this is the conversation... <laughs> But, well, it get, was a very like phallic get, centric. Let trailer. me just read this one yeah. line. He also teased that if multiple players urinate in the same yes. spot, the mushrooms that the mushroom that grows could become quote something good later on. Yeah, he said something. Well, and also these are all translated, of course. Like Kojima speaks and then the translator translates. But it was uh, something good might happen, and that was a little uncomfortable. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I just can't believe that we got the first uncut trailer of Death or gameplay, gameplay. of Death Stranding, and the only thing anyone is talking about is that you can pee in the game. Yeah, well, that was a large that portion of it. Part, yeah, that was yeah. Like the gameplay they showed. And then it's when they, amazing. I know, and I'm when they spoke about, about it, it they also like it. went slightly more in depth. And I think, you know, I feel like that clearly was done on purpose, right? Because it's like funny and weird, and it's very like internet oh, shareable. Yeah. Got people talking. Oh, for sure. But then it's funny because you also kind of felt like the light backpedal, where you know, at one point Kojima's like, I mean, that's not like the main part of the game. Like this isn't just like a peeing <laughs> game. Um, yeah, so uh, the new subgenre peeing games. Yeah, uh, the strand genre, the which was another phrase that was said on stage. Um, yeah, yeah, in addition to all that, that earlier, the strand. There were two genre. trailers: one showing uh, the character Mama, played by Margaret Qualley, who most recently was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and is in the best show of all time, The Leftovers. Uh, and it showed <laughs> about her and her baby, which was born on the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, Mama is tethered to the baby by her umbilical cord. Uh, the second clip, more heavily focused on the bridge baby, the BB, uh, that we've seen him carrying around in many clips. Uh, that clip also included Guillermo del Toro's Dead Man, or Deadman, explaining that bridge baby is how Sam senses the predatory BTs around the world. Um, so yeah, there were three looks into Death Stranding, and what I first want to open to both of you is, what did you think of what we saw? Did it change how you feel about Death Stranding going into Death Stranding? Um, I... Feel the same, I think. Mm. Um, I I do like that some of 
the speculation, not just from, you know, our site, but also just the internet in general kind of turned out to be confirmed. So this idea of how people are connected and how like the baby works as a, you know, being able to sense perilous things in the environment. Like those are all things that we kind of collectively pointed out. Um, and now those things have been confirmed. So I did like that aspect of it. Um, I'm very much a Death Stranding skeptic. I feel like it's going to just be all right. Um, I'm, yeah, but I can also see it being, I feel like it's going to go in one of two big directions. It's either going to be like, oh my God, it's like so brilliant. It's like the, the it's created the strand genre that didn't exist before or whatever. Or it's going to be like kind of a flop. Um, so yeah, one thing that kind of makes it difficult to use this as a marker of like how to predict how this game will be is that it does feel like the game has enough going on that when you show like a really specific vertical slice, especially when it's just kind of like, okay, the uncut gameplay, this little like piece, you know, it's like, oh, well, this isn't a game just about, you know, peeing and doing side quests. Walking up a hill to go talk to Jeff. Exactly. And like rocking your, (laughs) and rocking a baby, but that is part of the game. But how does that like relate to everything else in terms of like how it's going to feel as a player, if it's going to be interesting, if it's going to be like kind of, you know, simplistic, but the narrative will be really deep. Like it's, it's really hard to get a feel for it because so far with this trailer included, it's been very like lore focused and not very gameplay focused. And the lore sounds kind of interesting, but like it's you know it's still a video game, and as far as video games have gone in terms of story, at the end of the day, it still also needs to be interesting to control. Like even in narrative-driven games, like the fun thing about those is the way the story is presented, like how it kind of pulls you into the experience. Like you know what remains of Edith Finch, or if it's like a narrative-driven game where you make choices, the fun part of that is how the choices may or may not impact it, and how like how is it designed? Is it made for like these big things to matter? Do you are you attached to the characters? Are there like a million different pathways like in Detroit Become Human? So like even in a narrative driven game, it has to do with the presentation and the feel of the gameplay, even when the gameplay isn't like that much. Um, and I still don't really have a strong sense of that even from this trailer. It's still very very lore focused, which is as interesting as it's been. So it it didn't really do much new for me, I would say. I will say I, I don't disagree. I he Kojima did say that he was this was just supposed to be like a hint of gameplay, right? And he's gonna mm-hmm. do like a full gameplay reveal at Tokyo Game Show. Mm-hmm. Um that part of it Yeah, it's kind of like it hasn't left me I think I'm similar a similar conclusion without the same sort of like take on it, which mm-hmm. is that I don't feel like this has influenced my feelings about Death Stranding one way or the other. I'm still optimistic about it. I think it looks really cool. It's really beautiful. I have a better sense now of what you're going to be doing, mm-hmm. but what you're going to be doing doesn't necessarily excite me yet because it looks like mm-hmm. delivery missions, which that could be really fun and it could be really engaging if the story's really cool or it could be, you know, kind of whatever. Like, we just don't know yet and I'm not going to pass judgment on it mm-hmm. until we do. Um the world, I, I, the story and stuff, I keep flip-flopping on because half of me thinks it's, I love the mystery. I love the fact that he's not telling us anything and he's not just spelling it out. Like sci-fi can be weird and it can be confusing mm-hmm. and I'm totally into all of that. Um, but also it occasionally veers into like, okay, this just feels like you're trying to be weird for the sake of weird. Yeah. Like the fact that mama has like, a ghost baby tied to her through a ghost umbilical cord that she has to breastfeed, but not is like. Also, why does she have to breastfeed if it's wouldn't it be getting nutrients through the umbilical cord? Yeah, that's a great actually point. But <laughs> um, the, yeah, like that sort of thing isn't annoying to me because it's not explained. Because mm-hmm. I don't need an explanation for that. It just feels very like in your face, trying mm-hmm. hard. And I'm nervous that that will permeate the whole game. And I don't know yet. Uh, all I know is I, I really, really, really want to play it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm super excited to just actually sit down with this game and see what it's like. You you know what won't be in your face the whole game? Norman Reedus' penis? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to point you. out that Norman Reedus retweeted our stories about his penis. Uh, <laughs> or lack thereof. Or lack thereof in the game. Yeah, you gotta add in the game. In the game, yeah. We can't. We can't relate to what's going on. How do you know? In real life, 
We don't. We have no way of knowing. We don't have the technology to know. Um, Yeah, for me, it didn't necessarily, like, the uncut gameplay part. One, I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure there was a cut at some point in there while he's walking up the hill. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they do a, like, quick time-lapse point to be like, we don't need to show you walking up a hill. You you get how that works. But, yeah, like, I I know more about it, but it doesn't make me any more or less excited at this point. Yeah, it's more. That song's still really good that they play. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, it's such fire. Um, I did want to bring in a few reactions from the Beyond Facebook group. Uh, Dustin, uh, kind of showing the two sets of the coin here. Dustin said, Death Stranding continues to blow me away. I know it seems super vague on what's actually happening, but I am so in on this game. It looks fantastic, and Kojima has yet to do me wrong. This is easily my most anticipated game on the year. The next comment, Isaac. I don't understand the hype for Death Stranding. Everybody seems super excited, and I just think it looks super weird and makes no sense. Which seems yeah. to kind of be where things are, and I don't think what they're showing changes however you feel about that, which isn't necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing. Right. And also, r- real talk, both of those opinions can live in the world and exactly. not eliminate yeah. each other, and it doesn't mean one person is wrong and one person is One's right. A, one might be on the real side of the world, and one might be on the dead side of the world, but they both <laughs> influence exactly the experience. But uh, <laughs> one of those comments said that Kojima hasn't done you wrong mm-hmm. yet. I will say... I, I don't know if I feel the same way. Like, Kojima, wow. Kojima is a wonderful wow. game designer. And, I okay, like, Metal Gear Solid Five, for example, is, like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite games in recent memory. Um, but he has also shown exactly what I was saying, which is, like, Metal Gear Solid Four was... The plot of that game was a hot mess in a way that was not as interesting mm-hmm. as Kojima's hot messes can sometimes be. Because sometimes he goes crazy with plot and it's weird and cool and it draws you in. And sometimes it just goes like weird with plot and it's just kind of weird. Yeah. And like that's the that's the key, I think, to this is it is not necessarily a bad thing, but it also could be, and we <laughs> just don't know which sometimes way. Sometimes you need to an ball. editor to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Like right. you're brilliant, but you know, it's got to mold it. Yeah. Just right. A little and bit. so, and so we don't know which way the coin's going to fall. And like, it, it, I, I don't know. I'm it's just exciting not to know about such a high profile game. Right. Like, like I'm kind of into a that. bad thing to me. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll just have to, you'll just have to wait for reviews to come out and people to play it before we really have an answer about any of this stuff. I also think it's just kind of, and you know, maybe Death Stranding could have been explained in a way that would make sense, but also it might just be a game that's like, especially because it's sci-fi and just, generally weird sometimes it's hard to explain that stuff like uh even with like control like the marketing of that game a lot a lot of people were like what 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 is it and i'm like right. it's like you know and I, like it, once i saw it at e3 i had a, a much stronger understanding for what it was but it like takes a while to get to know and it doesn't necessarily translate super well because especially when it's sci- so sci-fi and from something that's not based on a familiar lore, it ends up just being a lot of jargon. And it sounds kind of like, it's hard not to sound like you're trying too hard. You're like, oh, well, the blah, blah, blah goes to the blah, blah. And then, you know, the BB, you're rocket. And then it connects to the the ghost womb. And it's like, wait, what? You know? Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's, it's weird enough that, you know, it also is hard to convey. But I also get the sense that no one's trying to <laughs> explain what it is, which is also, fine, too. And to their credit, mm-hmm. that Deadman trailer and the, about the bridge babies was what a lot of people were asking for yeah. which yeah. is just like four minutes of exposition yeah. about a plot point and a thing in this game yeah it's nice to know a little bit more about the lore yeah um, like I actually thought that that sort of thing what, what the information actually says specifically you know is up for whether that helped me or hurt me in terms of mm-hmm. confusion but like the fact that they just spent some time to show like hey this is probably like a cutscene in the game where you learn about this mechanic is like actually mm-hmm. really helpful to me yeah. Yeah. Of course, we'll learn much more about Death Stranding, as you mentioned, at Tokyo Game Show and the weeks to come before the game actually comes out in November. Uh, moving on from that, did want to mention a few smaller pieces of news. Uh, additionally, that have been coming out of Gamescom and just Gamescom adjacent. One is Erica, a surprise release, uh, though we've mm. known about it for a bit. It's a PlayLink game, though it wasn't branded as PlayLink really anymore. Not anymore. Um, yeah. But it is a live action mystery game uh, called Erica. It's now out. On PS4, you can download it. It is, I believe, $9.99. It is made by the developer Flavorworks, uh, and it's somewhat similar to Netflix's Bandersnatch. You're essentially playing through a live-action mystery, and you're choosing different uh, dialogue paths that change where the story goes. There's also a little bit more interactivity. I was actually playing last night, and it 
you can either use the touchpad on your DualShock or you can use a phone app and it can kind of like, there are points where you're like, you need to flick a lighter a certain way or you need to wipe the dust off a thing and so you like scratch across your touchscreen or your touchpad. Um, so they try to add a few more levels of interactivity in there, but it is a like hour and a half, two hour experience mm -hmm. on the first playthrough and then you can re-explore the branching paths as yeah. you go. Yeah, we were talking about this at lunch, but it's crazy that this game got announced like four years ago or whatever and now it's being compared to Bandersnatch, which came out much more recently, but you know, it, it's funny when games kind of get announced as a newer thing and then miss their window and <laughs> come out after other stuff that gets the highlight. Yeah, it, um, I having played it and can talk about it maybe a little bit more later if we have time, but mm -hmm. it, um, I thought it worked well, but it definitely didn't feel as like having played other now narrative heavy games, uh -huh. whether it's on the telltale side where dialogue choices are a big thing or Bandersnatch, which I think is a little too, uh, thinks it's more clever than it is. Also, like all of Black the Mirror. There. Oh, there are good episodes of Black Mirror, but that's another show. Chance firing uh, shot no. in um, Yeah. But a little bit. it's a cool endeavor. I do think it probably comes a, like a year or two late, mm. <laughs> later than it should have. But um, if you've played it, definitely. Did you uh, play it all the way through? I played it all the way through one sitting. Like it was, it was fun in the moment. Mm -hmm. I was saying to Tom a little bit before the show, it felt a little bit about like a, kind of like scary stories we tell in the dark, but like a Nickelodeon episode of a spooky show that you're okay. playing through a little more bloody. It's so actually kind of, so gross. it's a little, it's a little spook. It's spooky. Little spooks. Um, there's, there's some spoops in there, but it, uh, <laughs> it, it like the acting isn't amazing. Uh, they're definitely like playing to yeah. the fact that it is a interactive mystery and the writing is a bit like mm -hmm. in your face with everything. Um, I love this genre of games. It's f like, it's so fun much play it with friends like play yeah. it with other people like, past the control this is like my my favorite thing that's technically not really that good usually but just so <laughs> enjoyable um i haven't played this i definitely really want to because i love um narrative games like this i'm also really into like i'm glad that like live action's having like a little bit of a resurgence in some ways like we had bandersnatch which is obviously mainly a netflix thing so that's inherently going to be live action because it's actual actors um but i played like uh late shift on um the switch so it's on ps4 it's on everything um it's like really on everything and that, <laughs> i love that game so if you liked bandersnatch like i would check out late shift i would obviously maybe i don't know how that one stacks up because i haven't played erica yet um but yeah that live action stuff it has like very like over the top acting like very highly dramatic like super extra and the plot always ends up going some somewhere really odd and you're like why or how it's like oh now someone's dead in the alley and it's just crazy <laughs> um yeah I find this stuff really entertaining and I definitely agree with you where it's it's fun when you play it with other people like I don't think I'd really have as much fun doing that stuff alone but it's interesting you know trying to get like the different outcomes and like see who can get like the good ending or the extra cutscenes. and um yeah there's been a lot of like great additions to that genre in terms of how the game also like informs the player in terms of like you got all these choices or you miss this thing and kind of adding to that replayability factor. So yeah, not sure how this is, but also play late shift because <laughs> I got so many people play late shift and it's so good. I'm curious to see what you think of Erica. If yeah. You have a chance to play. yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. We can maybe swing back and talk about it. Yeah, more. for sure. Uh, moving on to a couple other small things. I uh, wanted to mention uh, Yakuza remastered collection was announced officially as part of IGN's Gamescom live show. So you should check it out for exclusive reveals. Yeah. Um, right now, Yakuza three is available while Yakuza four and five in the West are mm -hmm. coming to North America for PS4 as part of this. Uh, Yakuza four will unlock on October 29th and Yakuza five will unlock on February 11th, 2020. So you can look forward to that. Um, this is a great, just like a, it's about time yeah. sort of thing too. Yeah. Um, and I get that the, like it makes sense why they're not doing full Kiwamis for each yeah. game. So well, those, these are more a little more modern. Right? Yeah, they hold exactly. up a little more on their own. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered was also announced for a release date, September 3rd, which is like two weeks from now. So if you want to play a Final Fantasy that I have not played because I wasn't allowed as a kid. Why weren't you allowed? We played the first two hours at my house with my friends, and then my parents found out they said hell. And so we had to stop. Playing. Let me fix this. If you want to play Triple Triad, then you can get the Final Fantasy VIII Remastered game and then find the cards in-game and play the best part of Final Fantasy VIII. Boom. That's yes. not that. That's not true. Were you Final also, great. Um, like, not... Did you have, like, ESRB restrictions then on your game? No, too? not necessarily. Or your parents not, like... It was more case-by-case -case basis. Okay. They, they continue to, like, 
let did me you pause in. like the cutscenes then when there was like something like no, saucy we happening? We just stopped. Just, okay. We just stopped and for mature as long as they don't say hell. Hell, yeah. Anything else is fine. Yeah. Um, I was totally allowed to play GTA, but not Final Fit now. Um, also wanted to mention Call of Duty Modern Warfare is getting a PS4 Alpha. Uh, it was announced for this Friday, August 23rd, is for the 2v2 gunfight mode so you can test that out starting this weekend uh and in addition to that the last big thing i wanted to mention as part of news crunch was marvel's avengers demo is out uh you live out there in the world if you haven't been to e3 or to comic-con or to gamescom you can now watch that demo Yay. Uh, it's out there in the open it's roughly about 18 19 minutes of gameplay uh shows off what we have largely seen behind closed doors at those previous conferences and i've seen it i've talked about it on the show before what did you both think I thought it was pretty similar to what a lot of people were saying, right? Like, it was a little bit, it was definitely, I think Tina put it really well when she was like, it's a tutorial mission. It's very clearly mm-hmm. a tutorial mission, and it is both exciting in moments and bland in others, mm-hmm. as you might expect from a big, bombastic, cinematic tutorial mission. Yeah. Yeah, it looks kind of basic, but that doesn't mean it will be basic when it comes out, but just from, you know, it was a lot of... What you'd expect. It was neat. Run, hit, some quick time events, those classic quick time events. Nothing about it was offensive, right? <laughs> it was just like... It wasn't it just, offensive. Yeah. It existed. It was yeah. cool. It was pretty. I liked a lot of the animation. An inoffensive game. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, what I will say is I think the more interesting thing out of Gamescom for Avengers is what Tina and Lucy mm-hmm. were looking at with... Uh, Kind of more, we know more about the structure of it. Now, yeah. Well, and, right? and they got to play it. Yeah. So that they both, one, know how the game feels. You can read uh, Lucy's very extensive preview on IGN.com. It's up there, and we'll probably ever talk about it on the show when mm-hmm. she's back. But yeah, they've played it. They get a sense more of how the like, single player versus multiplayer aspects yeah. work. Um, some of the character customization stuff, all those things were a little bit more clarified. Yeah. Just hearing the breakdown of the mission structure, because they said there's a base, right? You have your yeah. like, helicarrier base. Um, and then you go to a mission board and there's a world map and you pick missions on that board and there are single player missions that are like the critical path missions that are basically the single player story. And then there's what war zones they call them that are like these multiplayer co-op up to four player Mm -hmm. co-op missions off to the sides. Uh, and those you can use, like you can bring in other people, you can use your special gear, you can have your skill trees for each hero that all like kind of influence this thing. That's really Like, just knowing that makes me significantly more interested in this game. I feel like from day one, from E3's Mm -hmm. announcement of it, Marvel's Avengers problem has not been the game itself. It's been the marketing around it Mm -hmm. and the messaging around it and the confusion around what is this actual game. And now that we have a little bit more of a picture of that, now that we have a little bit more of an understanding of, like, here's what you're going to be doing and how you're going to play it and how you're going to flow from mission to mission, I'm significantly more interested because now it just kind of looks like a cool sort of Marvel game. Yeah, I'm... Very curious to see more of this game beyond the tutorial mission because yeah. it isn't structured like how other missions will be in terms of like bouncing around the characters. Because exactly. Because it's supposed to be single character missions that you're choosing mm-hmm. and right. jumping into those things. We don't know how multiplayer will play. There's so much more to it that I want to see that I feel like everything, like you were saying, around the game hasn't really shown that off yet. So They also, and if I can go on a little bit of a rant here, they also... This gameplay clip, the one thing it did show that I think compl- like assuaged a lot of my concerns was... Uh, this isn't spoilers, it's the in the gameplay clip. The thing yeah. about the Terrigen Mist. Oh, yeah. So there's the whole plot point in this 18 minutes of gameplay thing, and this is the very big first mission of the game, so I'm sorry, skip ahead a little if you don't want to hear anything about anything. But, like, there was the girl who very clearly looked like Miss Marvel getting mm-hmm. exposed to Terrigen Mist, which would turn her into an inhuman and give her powers. And since there, we know there's a time jump, later she would be a hero, right? And that's, like... That opened up so many doors in my head about what they're doing because when I saw the E3 trailer back in the day, I was mm-hmm. like, they're just cribbing the MCU. Like, that's all they're doing is they're using the main five people from the original Avengers movie. They're, they, like, they're very much mimicking the style mm-hmm. of it while trying to do something else, and I just didn't understand, and it was very kind of add on. It ends with each other. But now that we've seen... Miss Marvel getting exposed to Terrigen Mist. We've seen Steve Rogers dying. We've seen Taskmaster as a villain. We know that the villains are like AIM, right? Is like one of the villain groups. More clearly what I think they're doing now is using the MCU imagery as a starting point so that they can immediately be like, this isn't the MCU. So that in that first 20 minutes, just in this first gameplay Mm -hmm. chunk, they're saying... 
here's these familiar characters you know from the movies, and then they immediately break it. They immediately say, never mind, that's not this, get your head out of that. This is not that at all. And what the marketing for the game did is it just took those moments where it looks like the MCU and it used that as its yeah. marketing. Yeah. And I think that is not fair to what the game is actually going to be like because very clearly they're going to move away from the MCU and they just didn't show that when they first showed off the game. Yeah, it feels like they thought, oh, we'll play to the MCU crowd. But that backfired. It, on totally it only works really if backfired. you're. It would only work if you, that's what you were doing. Yeah, but then it, it just ends up. Yeah. yeah, but then it just ends up being confusing for sure. I remember when we first saw this at all at E3, it was like, but what is the game? Like, what even is? Obviously, it's an action game, you know. Um, but it's like, what's what kind of you know? How, what's the mission structure? How can we like swap between characters? Like, it's multiplayer, but what's the single? Like, it, there were way, 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 way more questions uh, than answers, especially given the amount of gameplay we were able to see, which is kind of rare and weird, where it was like we saw a good amount, but weren't really like given any information. So it's really nice to see more of that getting explained, being out there, just so that this vision of what this game is is a little bit more parsed out than it was before, which was like, I don't know, it could be anything. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to have something a little bit more concrete. And Avengers is coming uh, May 15th, 2020 for PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Stadia. Uh, there will be a beta uh, on PS4. So looking forward to seeing what that tells us more about the game. But yeah, I hope we can see more of how they're making the Avengers their own thing mm -hmm. rather than feeling like they need to play to what's already happened before, mm -hmm. which obviously different departments may be trying to play to different things. And it's so such a bummer because I think that they actually knew that they shouldn't play yeah. to that and used it very intentionally. And then the marketing didn't, the marketing yeah. undercut that before they even had a chance to show that's what they were doing. Yeah. That's just my theory based off this this gameplay. No, it, ma it makes sense, especially, I mean, the Kamala Khan stuff, the, the Ms. Marvel tease, didn't really happen in the E3 trailer. No. Or the demo. No, not at all. So, like, even the behind closed doors. Oh, demo. even the behind, oh. Yeah, we didn't, yeah. unless yeah. it did and we all missed it, but um, <laughs> that was what happened at a Comic-Con. So, yeah. I think they're further trying just to, yeah. so weird. It is definitely <laughs> weird. Uh, moving on, we're a little bit pressed for time, so wanted to very quickly, uh, each of you tell me one game you're playing that you think those at home should play. PS4 or not? Uh, I played Resident <laughs> Evil 2 Remake for the first time this weekend, so I'll say that. I, uh, nice. Yeah, I, I hadn't played it at all yet. I hadn't played the original Resident Evil 2. I know, I'm sorry. But I finally, finally, finally got around to playing this one, and it ruled. It was so good. I'm excited to jump back in for a second playthrough because it seems weird that they let you do that in such a cool way where you get to play as the other character from the other perspective, and I know I'm very late in all this, but yeah. it's, it's like, if you've heard the hype about this game, I was not... Sure, I was going to love it, and I, I really, really do. I didn't play that recently, but I also played that game, loved it, and it was one of the few times where I really felt like I got so much value out of that second playthrough. I was like, mm. oh, what's the, you know, I already beat, like, I'm really big on, like, I beat it, I'm done, bye. Yeah. Unless I'm doing something, like, specific for work with it. Um, but that one, like, when I did the second one, it was totally worth it. And then the, um, what's that mode that unlocks right after? Not the Tofu one, the one before that. For Resident Evil 2. The Ghost Chrono or the Ghost Survivor the, like, ones? Some, or? Some, yeah, the, the Lone Survivor or whatever. Like oh, the one yeah. where you're just running gun. That was so much fun. And I was shocked at how fun that was. Um, yeah, that game's amazing. A uh, game that I'm playing that I want others to play. I'm playing Four Lone Sales. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Tom really likes it. Fair enough. Tom gave it a nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Tom has a review. Read Tom's review. So far, impressions. Very cute. I am very attached to the ship, as Tom promised I would be. And uh, the gameplay functions very similarly to Lovers in Dangerous Space Time, but much more slowed down, mm -hmm. uh, which is like kind of nice. Like it's a, it's been a zen little experience, and I'm like intrigued by how the world's going to develop and where the story's going to go. Um, there is no like dialogue at all, like in the game. So I'm like, well, what's going to happen? Where are we <laughs> going? Where's the little? Where's my little my little sail going? Um, so that part has pulled me along, and I think. My feelings on the game will just depend on where it ends. Uh, it's a really short game. It's only a few hours, but I only got like halfway through it and I just need to finish the other half at some point, hopefully this week. And if you want to know more, you can read Tom's review. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing Embargoed. So I've also been playing Hulu to watch Legion because Legion is very good. I've also been <laughs> playing Embargoed. Um, uh, well, we will talk about Embargoed in the future. Always a great game. Highly Embargoed. anticipated game, Embargoed. Yes. Uh, and with that, why don't we move on for one memory card story? Yay. 
Memory Card is, of course, our weekly segment where we read stories from you, the listeners and viewers at home, about your funny, sad, happy, weird, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life in general. This week's story is brought to you by Dan from New York. Dan said, hello and beyond. Been listening to and loving the show for about eight months now, and thank you for all the wonderful work you do. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, moving on, Dan said, now to be honest, I am not much of a PlayStation, he said PS, so it didn't trip me up, PlayStation player nowadays... Tom, help me. Oh, no. I don't know. I'm an old man, and I don't know how to work my email. Sorry, Dad. There you go. There we go. It didn't zoom in properly. Now, to be honest, I am not as much of a PlayStation player nowadays, but getting my first PS1 opened my eyes to a world beyond Nintendo. My memories from 2007 when I was on my second year in the U.S. Navy, and the PS3 had recently been released, but I could not bring myself to pay the insane price tag until the pre-orders went up for Metal Gear Solid 4 bundle with an 80 gigabyte system. I had long, I had been a longtime MGS fan, and that was the game I was waiting for, so I pre-ordered the console. Having been stationed in San Diego at the time and not knowing where I might be when the system actually shipped, I put my delivery address as the actual ship I was crew on. Then, as you might have guessed, my ship deployed a few weeks before the bundle release, and I had no idea when I would actually see it. As the fates would have it, while, the middle of the, while in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and not having seen land for a few weeks, we had an underway replenishment, which includes mail. So, while at sea, my monstrous PS3 bundle was air-delivered by helicopter to my ship, I being none the wiser, until one of our supply guys came to me and was looking very confused, asked me why there was a giant box with my name on it. Uh, at first, I had no idea. Then it hit me. My hands went to my face, and I gasped and said, no, they didn't. Giggling like a small, ch- small child, I was ecstatic. Later, after my shift, I had the glory of opening my PS3 while in the middle of the ocean and for the first time experiencing that lovely new console. I won't go into the woes that were playing MGS4 in small chunks. Haha. P.S. After listening to you guys at Beyond and other gaming podcasts, I myself now have a gaming podcast and write Aww. about games on my personal blog. Thank you for everything. Have a nice day, Dan. That was really cool. Yeah, yes. that's lovely. I love these. You're like, okay, memory card time. Like, I'm ready to cry today. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for writing in, Dan, and thank you for your service as well. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed many more memories with PS3 and maybe PS4. Uh, since Would you say then. PS3 and beyond? PS3 and beyond. Uh, before we wrap up, I would like to do a trophy test yes. with you both. Uh, Janet, this is your first time on trophy test since ever, right? Yes, yeah, since ever. And since I have started the count We're making over. history today. Tom? I'm like blocking the screen. Oh, uh, don't worry. It, it, this isn't... Uh, it, you can't tell what the answers are. Okay. Please don't look okay. at the screen anyway. That helps. Um, anyway, trophy test is, of course, our weekly segment here where... I challenge those on the panel with me to guess the real names of a trophy of a collection of six trophies this week. I believe I have six. Yes. Um, so far, I'm counting the tally since episode 600. Uh, we started doing these with 601 yet again. Uh, consider this the new and improved trophy test. Uh, Tom, you are not in the lead currently, but I think this week might make you leader by default. Uh, wow, so the far, bias standings. is clear. So congrats. <laughs> Unless but, I get zero correct. No, because uh, here on Trophy Test, there are no losers. Oh, yeah. Every week I award a gold, silver, and bronze trophy. Gold is worth three points, silver is worth two points, and bronze is worth yep. one. At the end of the year, we'll award a platinum trophy to the winner. We still have my fourth grade Little League trophy in my parents' house, so, yeah. Maybe you can add this one to the collection. 100%. This week, in honor of Insomniac and the MCU News, is Spider-Man PS4 trophies. So, I will give you the description of the trophy, and you must tell me the real title of the trophy. Cool. Uh, I'm going to make sure I have a tally going down for your results. I'm going to start studying for this, just like reading through yeah. the trophy list of... I always like having the guides team on because you guys have to deal with these pages sometimes. Anyway, (laughs) the first trophy. The description is to unlock all skills is the title of that trophy. Superior Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man? Janet. Spectacular. Tom. Superior, just to be contrarian. Nice. I appreciate it. Tom, you are correct. It is Superior Spider-Man. Actually, what I was going to go for anyway. That sounds so elitist. I thought Spider-Man would be more welcoming than that. Early neighborhood Spider-Man. Well, he's Even though he, he was, was kind of old. When he has all the skills. Okay. He's not that old. He's like 24. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, next trophy. Take down each Fisk hideout. Is that trophy all the king's men or king of the city? Janet. King of the city. Tom. All the king's men because Fisk looks like Humpty, like an egg, like Humpty Dumpty. Oh, God. The answer is all the king's men. Yeah. Oh, man. Two for two. How come I had to go first each time? You, Don't worry, I'll switch that up. Yeah, you can throw me to the wolves. 100% complete all districts. Is that a true tourist or I heart Manhattan? Tom, a true tourist or I heart Manhattan? Um, I'm going to go true tourist. 
I heart Manhattan. God. No, it's wrong, isn't it? I'm still going <laughs> with it. answer. I'm still going. I heart Manhattan. Is I heart Manhattan, Curtin Gratz. Oh, Janet, you got yay. that one. You're on the board. Uh, Tom has two points. Janet has one. Yay. <laughs> well, at least be happy about it. Next trophy. I don't purchase, be too loud. Purchase all suits. Dressed for any occasion or a suit for all seasons? I hate both of these names. <laughs> Tom. Dressed for any occasion? That or... one. Dressed for any occasion. Okay. Janet? Dressed for any occasion. You're both saying dressed for any occasion? The answer is a suit for all seasons. Really? Oh, yeah. What? Uh, two trophies I knew left. I should have platinum this game. Tom, <laughs> you should have. It's not that hard of a platinum. I got uh, it from Redbox and I had to return it. Oh, Janet. Tom, you have two. Janet, you have one. Moving on to the fourth. Is it fourth? No, fifth. Uh, complete all the corrupted student missions. Is it schooled or detention? Complete all the corrupted student missions. Schooled or detention? Janet, back to you. Schooled. Tom. I'm going to go with the same. I'm going to also. You're both correct. Yay! Yay! Cool. Moving on. Final. so hard. Janet, you could tie it up. I could. Get spectacular or better in a Taskmaster bomb challenge. Short fuse or diffused the situation? Get spectacular or better in a Taskmaster bomb challenge. Short fuse or diffused the situation? And we will start with Janet. Short fused. Diffuse the situation. The correct answer is short fuse. Oh, Congrats, yes. Janet. You've tied it up. All right. Uh, and because I don't have a tiebreaker, you both win a gold trophy this week. Congratulations. It's all tied up at fun to fun. Uh, Janet, you have won three points. Tom, you have won three points, making you the leader so far in, Don't the, know how that happened. in the trophy test rankings uh, since episode 600. You're in the lead, followed by Janet, Lucy, and JR with three points each, Max with two, and Casey with one. Congratulations to you both. Now, see, this is the other guy. Now I want to hold it. Yeah. You'll now have to be on the show in the Heavy lies the crown. <laughs> call in. I totally accept call in. Is the trophy heavy as the crown? Yeah, you, you have me on here just for the trophy test going forward. And Happily, sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on from that, I'm making sure all these slacks are okay. Uh, thank you all so much for listening or watching this episode of Beyond, episode 603. Remember, Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Tom, when you're not here and when I'm not hounding you about your middle name, where can people find you? Uh, usually like bed or the couch, but what about on social media? Uh, Tom R marks on Twitter. Good. Janet, what about you? I'm at game on on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I am also usually asleep, but when I am not at JM Dormush on Twitter and Instagram or on a kingdom Hearts subreddit, probably anyway, thank you all (laughs) so much for watching and listening. And as always beyond beyond beyond.